Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. And this is a special edition as we are recording for the first time together in St. Louis, Missouri. Father Crowdy, welcome back to Kenrick Glennon Seminary. It's good to have you. And we have a very special guest today with us, Father John Burns of the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fake applause. With, a large, with a large crowd. That's right. Today. Father Burns in the house. Up, welcome, everybody. Uh, Father Crotty, you are in town. We're all in town for the seat conference. Well, you're in town because you live here and work here. Well, this is true. But you've been working lots, getting everything ready. Yeah, we are launching the seek conference today. Mm. Um, I think as of today, about 17,000 have registered for the, for the conference, young adults from all over the country who have been nurtured and encouraged by focused missionaries at their college campuses are coming together for a really great week of, of deepening their faith and having awesome prayer and supporting one another. Father Burns, you are speaking at this with Sister Miriam. I am. And uh, it's good to have you in the house. Thanks for taking the time. We're going to be doing several um, recordings this week during Seek. That's the hope. Yeah. Um, it's good to be together here in St. Louis, but to take advantage of um, not only a lot of guest speakers in, in um the St. Louis area this weekend, but also just a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of things going on for the life of the church. Mm -hmm. So it's good to be with you all. It's good to be back. Yeah. It's good to be on. Father Burns, tell us about yourself. Yeah. I'm a priest of uh, the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, mm -hmm. Wisconsin, and uh, studied with Father Shane in seminary a little bit. Uh, so that's where we connected. And yeah, I... Now I'm currently assigned to, an, uh, I'm basically released for an assignment to the renewal of women's religious life. So mm -hmm. I spend all my time uh, traveling around and doing retreats and spiritual direction and some healing work, uh, mostly for religious and then also for priests and seminarians, which is part of what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. I'm so impressed with Archbishop Lustecki's vision and his trust in you to dedicate a diocesan priest for this very specialized ministry to help renew and strengthen and bolster uh, consecrated women religious. It's awesome. And uh, I know that's been a real passion of yours. You really felt the Lord moving you into that. Um, tell us a little bit about how that started and, and how the Archbishop's been so responsive to that as you see the needs of the church. Yeah, he, props to Archbishop because it's, um, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to release a guy to something that, you know, most of the work is outside of the diocese. And Milwaukee, we'll see some of the benefit. Like I'm working with all the young women who are discerning because we don't have anybody working with women's vocations um, formally. So we'll see a lot of fruit in terms of women leaving, but we don't have really uh, strong communities in Milwaukee where these women could enter. And that's actually where it all started. <clears throat> when I went to seminary, I remember seeing sisters, young, vibrant, lively religious sisters, but also uh, really beautifully aged, holy um, stalwarts of the, the faith in these communities over in Rome and in D.C., and I remember thinking I had like I'd never seen that at home. I didn't grow up around sisters, and in my diocese, the sisters that were around just either weren't visible or were just withdrawing from their apostolates. So I just wasn't around sisters. And I remember thinking I didn't even know what I was missing while I was missing it. Like I didn't know that was supposed to be there, and that's really <coughs> from the beginning been a part of the church, consecrated women uh, since those first consecrated virgins. So yeah, I just I realized when I was around them that. Um, something's missing in any local church where you don't have kind of the compliment to the Dawson priest, the, the consecrated woman who's showing the other half of the, the ultimate story. 
And uh, it was actually a Steubenville conference first where I saw a huge response. At the end of those youth conferences, you know, they have everybody mm-hmm. come forward for a, a potential. If you're open to a vocation. A big altar call. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was, it was like 300 <laughs> girls at this conference, and uh, which was a third of the women in attendance, high school. Um, and there was no consecrated woman in the whole building. I kept looking around trying to find some sister to bring forward and like point her out or say, you know, talk to her. Let's hear from her. There's nobody around. And so these girls were just going to go back to their parishes and be like, yeah, remember that thing that happened at the youth conference when I got up and made a fool out of myself and I never thought about it again. Like there just wasn't really a local. And my boyfriend got pissed off. Yeah. And yeah. my teacher and my mom were there too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big step. Yeah. So I got mad actually. And I was like, you know, this is a, the duty of the local mm. church to care about this. And I went back to my bishop and I'm like, Archbishop, I think we're asleep at the wheel on something that we forgot that in many of our dioceses, nobody's doing for the girls what we're all doing on the diocesan priest side for the guys. And if we don't take that seriously, then... Um, we're going to have to answer for it. And he's like, well, now it's on you. It's your job. So <laughs> he just blessed it. He, he grew up around sisters. His first mass was in a convent chapel, a mm-hmm. little tiny chapel around the corner from the school where he went uh, when he grew up. He didn't go to a parish, didn't have a big blowout. He just wanted to thank the sisters for his vocation. So he's got a deep heart for the religious uh, vocation and for the way that it nurtures priestly vocations and the priesthood. So that's why he's been willing to, to make the sacrifice because he sees that it, it actually really is worth it. That's awesome. Well, I, we were chatting right before uh, about what we do on this podcast, and the hope is that we're reaching out to those who feel outcast. Uh, for those listeners who've you know been with us for a couple of years now, uh, feel outcast in different ways. But I have experienced the lack of women religious in our diocese, in a diocese that we used to have a convent in every town. My first assignment had two convents in town. There's empty buildings that were taken down. Um, there was a convent right across the parking lot from where I lived, and it was sold to to some like halfway house thing now um, because it's a big house. But I'd often talk to the high school students about that. Like, yeah, guys, there used to be like 20 nuns just like walking around this town, this town, like 10,000 people. Um, So I, I can even feel that. Like I obviously didn't grow up with that. And now knowing so many women religious in my own life and friendships, um, the lack that's there. And I've heard you father Burns talk about that a couple different times, different talks about the, the need for that resurgence um, of that vocation life of the church. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. Hopefully, Hopefully our listeners, maybe some of our older listeners remember growing up, going to school with nuns, uh, having them in the, in the parish schools. Um, but Father Shane, as we're both in high school ministry, you for a longer, a lot longer than I have been so far, it's felt like I, I pulled out like a, a healing uh, yearbook from 1959, mm-hmm. like 50, 50 nuns from mm-hmm. four or five different orders who taught there. Right. Now we don't have any. Right. And we've talked to Sister Carolyn about this on this episode of kind of one of those episodes called, I think, Where Have All the Brides Gone? Yeah. Uh, I think consecrated life in the United States since the Second Vatican Council has probably taken the most severe hit um, in terms of like priestly numbers. Um, but that consecrated life, diaconate has obviously arisen since the council. Priestly numbers are down, but the consecrated brides have, um, have really taken a hit in terms of their presence. Is the Lord still calling? Of course he's still calling. And how are we accompanying those people uh, who are thinking as young women, is the Lord inviting me to be completely dedicated to himself and to serve you know, him alone? And I'm, Father, I'm sure you, you just meet so many people who um, working with young women who think this is a ridiculous vocation. I don't see the, the fruitfulness. I don't see the vitality of it. Why would you want to step on board a, a sinking ship, not convinced that religious life is going to have a lot of cultural support? Um, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, that's you're, you're right to point out like the, the tension 
<clears throat> the almost inevitable tension for a young woman who, you know, the Lord has decided, we see it in the prophet Jeremiah, like the call is from the womb. Like he, the Lord kind of knows what the plan is for all of us when he dreams us into being and we start to exist. And so when he's called, when he's set a woman apart for himself, for consecrated life, if she's not in a, a setting in which that's supported or that, that type of question is, is sustained and fostered, uh, she has like a, she's kind of living in a paradox, you know, so like I feel this calling to God, but I've never been around women who are living it. And so I don't even know what this is and I don't know what to do about this. And so you'll meet a lot of women who are just like when they um, finally get to be around sisters who are really living their vocation well, they say it's like coming home. And they'll, they'll sometimes they'll cry. Like if you go to these conferences, you'll see women first time in their lives being around, you know, a vibrant witness to consecrated life for women. And they'll, they'll start to cry. And they're like, she's, her existence is explaining something that's been happening in me. And I never had anywhere to go with it. I didn't even know what to do about what's happening in my heart because I just had never seen it. I didn't even know it was around. So uh, it's a real, yeah, it's a place of sorrow, I think that uh, we know God isn't going to stop calling, but but so many parts of our, our country, even we have to go world, so many parts of our country aren't really equipped to foster and sustain that question. And so these girls don't know what to do. Um, <clears throat> upside is all we really need to do is just put them in, in the presence of religious women. And they're like, oh, okay, that's what the alternative is. And, and then they start to get to know them and see like, oh, these women are like really happy. You know, like some of the happiest people you're going to meet are these religious women. Uh, happiest people on earth often are, are the religious women that I know. Um, but as it has diminished in so many places, and that's not like in the air, as it were, that the local church is breathing, that's where it becomes confusing. And for a woman who's really called, she's got to look at that question of like, what's happening in my heart and say, why would I why would I give myself to something that I, I don't see? It doesn't seem like it has any life on it. And I'm going to have to leave home and I'm going to be sad my whole life. And they're all often afraid of like, ending up old maids. Yeah, I don't want to be an old maid. And mm. That's not at all what it is, but but it can appear that way if you haven't been around it. So yeah, in, in practical terms, I think one of the simplest things we got to do is just invite religious women to come into our parishes mm. and make visits, you know, come to our youth groups, come to our uh, Theology on Tap, whatever we, wherever we can bring sisters. And they'll, they travel. Like these these orders that are growing and are, are kind of faithful and traditional, they're on the road all the time. Their vocations teams are, are pretty much like traveling the country. And so I think a lot of people just don't realize, oh, I could bring them in. A lot of pastors I've talked to didn't even know it was on, on the table for them to invite the sisters to come for a visit, stay for the weekend, you know, visit with family, visit with groups, visit with the youth. So it's, it's just going to be like this long process of, uh, gently reminding the church and our, our our families and our young women that it's a thing still that God's calling and that there's it's not a crazy thing that she's experiencing in her heart it's actually a really beautiful thing and the church loves it and uh, hopefully will come to to make clear that love a little bit more vividly in the next uh, couple decades. Mm. I was talking to uh, a few members of the Handmaids of the Heart of Jesus in Newham and they're describing this kind of resurgence that I think a lot of our listeners might not even know. We get to see it. We see friends. We have maybe friends that we met um, in college or maybe when we were young who went to college and then got connection with when religious. But those handmaids were talking about this resurgence and they were explaining like these like three C's, um, like <laughs> clear experience of consecration, community, and charism mm -hmm. um, of how those maybe were the things that were lost maybe over time and in different ways. But like where you can really see the fruit, where you can see the Lord working is where there's a, a really clear understanding of What's my identity as a, as a consecrated bride, as a consecrated woman? How is that lived out in community? And then how's this like a real charism? Can you like speak to that at all? Yeah, man, you're right. That was often, uh, there just was confusion in, in the 70s and 80s as everybody was going through like what it is to reform. You know, the, the Second Vatican Council called us to reform religious life. And so there's a lot of confusion about what was and wasn't essential. 
and later documents have come out even called essential elements to help people remember what is essential. But we can look back and be kind of judgmental, but it was a super confusing time. Now the fruits are, we can see the fruits. Uh, and what we're finding is in communities like the Handmaids of the Heart of Jesus in Minnesota, as they come back to those essentials and they just live them well. It's just like in sports, when you hit the fundamentals regularly, uh, you get better and better. Mm. And, and when you hit the essentials, when you live community life, you know your charism, um, and there's a joy about it, especially when it's lived fruitfully, um, the, the, the grace that pours in is, uh, it doesn't make sense in, in like natural terms mm. uh, or even observable terms. Like people look at them and like, I don't get why you do that. I don't get why you're happy, but you can't refute the evidence. Like it's, they're growing, they're happy, and uh, it's really attractive, like really attractive to see them live it well. So mm. yeah, I think coming back to the fundamentals is huge. And um, I, I think for those of us who are maybe none of us is discerning, you know, becoming a religious sister. <laughs> Some of our listeners, you know, aren't, it's not possible or it's not on the table. But I, I do think we all can get um, excited slash upset about the current situation and do mm-hmm. something about it. And, and I, I think we sometimes downplay or, or maybe we just talk about prayer and fasting and almsgiving as like nice things to do. But we don't mm-hmm. really believe in how powerful that is. And uh, the church is... is is aching in the absence of consecrated women. The church is, is, is suffocating and even dying in places without the witness to the bride that they bring, revealing the church to herself. And um, we, we should be righteously angry about that in ways, in the ways that we mistaken, we, we mistook things or, or kind of dropped the ball. And we can do something about that. And it's not like we all are going to enter convents, obviously, but we can all really seriously be on our knees, offering penance, praying, giving alms, and... Uh, and helping the Lord bring back and restore what he wants restored because there's no way it's supposed to just disappear. Um, in much of the church, it has disappeared. And that's a sorrow. I'm convinced it's a sorrow to the Lord and it should, should be a sorrow to the local church. And so, yeah, um, just an encouragement to somebody listening, like do something about it, like get mad about it, pray about it, fast about it, give alms and like be a part of the way the Lord brings something back that, that uh, we're not well without. You know, Father, you and I have had several conversations about the complementarity of vocations and the rich bouquet the Lord provides for his church, for her flourishing, for a beauty that helps the church be who she's called to be, but also reflects the goodness of God in all the different ways that he uh, speaks to us and all the different ways that he calls us through different paths of, of holiness. Um, I think there's a lot of people out there who just don't understand the whole value of consecrated life for women. Um, okay, so yeah, we've got like more worker bees to work in our schools, or our, our orphanages, and our hospitals. No, we're, we're, these are not, you know, these are not maids who are just working on behalf of the church, giving themselves tirelessly because if they just work hard, well, then they'll earn their salvation and then people will just like think that they're impressive because they just work so hard. Um, you know, to the point that so many women religious in the past, I think it were righteous or unrighteously abused, um, just the way they were treated, not finding an authentic voice, not having their vocations respected, uh, and really working in, in, really subpar conditions for the sake of the gospel. And they many of them embrace that out of obedience and out of a love for poverty and chastity, um, but not really were respected for being a bride of Christ and having an authentic voice that needs to speak in the splendor of the church. Um, any thoughts on how we understand the rich, consecrated vocation 
and how it supports the whole mission of the church. Yeah, a, a thousand thoughts. I'll keep it fairly brief, but like I, there, I'm convinced there's an ecosystem of vocations in the church that systems in nature uh, remind us that everything is related, and there are systems in supernature. And there's, an, an if you will, analogously an ecosystem. The, the, the vocational states are designed not just for themselves to bring souls to heaven, but to bless one another, to influence and inspire one another. And the priesthood is is half of the ultimate story. You know, we we personify Christ, the bridegroom, but there's a, a bridegroom's married to a, a bride, and and there's another half of the story, which is the feminine witnessing to the ultimate, the eschatological, the final bride uh, here on earth, the church. And when you when you take that out, um, everything gets a little bit confused because what, what's the what's the nuptial character of of the priesthood if if the church isn't the bride. There's really no nuptial reality. There's no there's no mooring for the priesthood as, as a, in conformity to the bridegroom. So, uh, in addition, you lose the motherhood, the dimension of like the mature, the, the highest uh, dimension of the feminine heart is to to be a mother spiritually or naturally. And uh, when you take that out of the local church, something is is gravely impoverished. And so, looking back over history. Um, yeah, we did make some mistakes at, at many different times. I think we diminished or we, uh, we didn't uphold the dignity of the life and, and treated religious women as worker bees. Um, when you go further back into the foundations of most of our dioceses, if you go read the history of almost any diocese in the country, the bishops who had to found these dioceses were going straight over to the major superiors and being like, I, I can't start a diocese or I can't get life going in the parishes until I have sisters in schools. And they would beg these superiors to send sisters so they could establish schools. And, and the schools are what kind of upheld the parishes. So we, in our historical genetics, there's no understanding our origins and, and really our current existence without the contribution of those women. If they're just teachers and worker bees, then we're missing something we could substitute for with other teachers. Uh, if, it's a, if it's deeper than that, if it's metaphysical, if it's ontological, it's a witness to something uh, ultimate and something profoundly feminine, thoroughly so, then when that's gone, uh, the, the genetics, if you will, of the local church um, have to develop or, or even mutate to continue developing. And I just think we've kind of mutated in many of our dioceses into a, a model of church that isn't, uh, was never a part of the organic, supernatural, organic design of God. And uh, I think we all know something's wrong, and there's probably a lot of ways we could say what's wrong with the church, but this one, I think usually we're missing uh, as an essential piece that we should be attentive to if we want the church to be able to actually supernaturally, organically flourish the way that she has from the beginning. Mm. One of the downfalls of this podcast is we got like 20 minutes uh, of the show. Um, in the last couple of minutes, Father, thanks so much for what you've given us so far. But I, I'm sure a lot of people just kind of open their eyes. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess you're right. I don't, I don't really pay attention to that. Where's the hope? That's kind of what I, what I want to be left with. Like, yeah. what you, you kind of mentioned, like, those, those really fundamental things to do to really turn, turn to the Lord, like, who stirs these, uh, these desires up in women who, who made their heart for this life um, to turn to him in prayer, fasting, almsgiving, like you said. But, like, where, where's the hope that you've been able to see in this work so far that you can kind of give to the people to bring like a light maybe into the midst of this darkness? Yeah. So um, we've got, we just started a little website, renewreligious.org that is aggregating stories of vocation directresses and they're the communities that are, are really growing because there are a ton of communities that are 
uh, highly in demand and they're growing rapidly, not fast enough to go out to all the dioceses that are asking for them. But when you interact with them, even if just electronically going to their websites, hearing their stories, it's it's stunning. The beauty is stunning. And it, it makes you realize like, oh man, this is this is worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not around those communities to go check them out. Um, so Renew Religious would be one spot. You can check it out. CMSWR's website lists all of the communities that are, um, most of them are growing right now. So tons of women entering and tons of growth. It's just often in our local churches, we're not seeing it yet. Mm-hmm. But if we want to see it, we got to start doing something about it vocationally so that we can send women away and then eventually, please God, they'll be sent back. And for any of our listeners who might be thinking of consecrated life, any words of wisdom of where do they start, where do they turn? I know there's the the kind of rabbit hole of I'm going to look at 55 different communities' websites and I'm just going to pick the one with the best website. Obviously, that doesn't work best for anybody. Too. That's a good move. <laughs> yeah, best doesn't, habit, cool doesn't work. Yeah. So any re- advice for young discerners among women? Yeah, I mean, there's one go-to book that everybody needs to have, just called Discerning Religious Life by Mother Claire Mathias. And that one is the baseline on what is a vocation, how do I pray about it? And that's really the best resource to start with so you don't get stuck in the rabbit hole. And then you just call up a, a community, you know, start somewhere, call up a vocation directress and just say, hey, something's happened in my heart. Can you help me with that? And they'll help you sort out what the next steps are and how to proceed in a discernment that's not chaotic. But it's just, if if the Lord's stirring in the heart, you just need to take one concrete step and then he'll open up the next door. So discerning religious life, key starter, and and maybe make a visit or make a call. Excellent. Father Burns, it's uh, great to be with you. Glad we can connect here at Seek Week in St. Louis. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Father Travis, good to welcome you back to your alma mater here. Thanks, Father Shane. Yeah, it's awesome. To all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Let's keep one another in prayer. And please Do you keep... live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah. That... Just keep going. It's all right. Hey. Wrong button. Wrong <laughs> it's all good. Button. We, that's we got we... a lot on hey, our minds right now. We got a lot on our minds. To all of our let li- that play out. It's going to be fine. To all of our listeners, please keep our uh, Seek participants in your prayer. All of these speakers that are up on the main stage... Uh, they're really pouring their hearts out to help all these young people. But the thousands and thousands of young people who are going to be receiving a lot of graces from the Holy Spirit to come out of this week, this, there's just going to be a lot of fire coming out of this week, and we want that to continue in the life of the church. These young adults are going to be going back all over the country. We've got a lot of young discerners. Father, here you're here to connect with a lot of young discerners yeah, from our diocese, doing vocations work. Father Burns, you're connecting with a lot of religious orders and young discerners as well. So there, there's just so much uh, available here we want to keep all of that in prayer. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And um, we're working on the sound. Yeah, God bless you, everybody. Yeah. God bless. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.